This is a Triple J podcast. Hey, it's Pip here. And back in 2023, Dee and I did an episode on de facto relationships. Because, well, for a lot of us, we simply don't know our rights when it comes to living with someone, sharing domestic duties, opening a joint bank account together, you know, all that cute shit that you do when you're locked into a serious relationship with someone and it's kind of becoming long term. In a way, it's pretty simple for able-bodied people, like you do your taxes together and, you know, the, the government sees you as a different kind of partnership. But... After seeing a viral video of comedian, writer and disability advocate Madeline Stewart on Instagram, I realised it's not as straightforward for people living with a disability. Basically, this video was her explaining how the disability pension is stopping people from getting into long-term relationships. Because it turns out there are a bunch of different rules when it comes to having a partnership with someone who does live with a disability, especially when there's a pension or joint income involved. And according to Maddie, it is actually really messing with young couples across Australia from taking their relationships to the next level. You know, normal things like moving in together, marriage, and hey, even having kids. Dee and I knew we had to find out more. So I sat down with Maddie to chat about what is going on. And also we spoke for like 45 minutes. We were just spinning yarns about her cooked dating life, what it's like to navigate dating apps uh, with a disability as well as her stand-up touring and her award-winning doco, Inspire Me. So, sit back, relax, enjoy this whole chat in full, and I'll see you on the other side. Hello. Hi. (laughs) It's good to have you back. Thank you so much for joining us again. I... I'm so excited to talk to you about this video that you did for ABC TV on Instagram. It went viral. Everyone's talking about yeah. it. And you were sort of describing a situation that's happening in Australia at the moment for a lot of young people, um, talking about the disability pension and how it affects relationships. So for anyone who hasn't seen this video, can you tell us what exactly is going on? So pretty much the video is me explaining that when people with disability who are part of who are on the DSP, if you're in a relationship and you live with the person you're dating, your disability support pension could be completely cut. Um, It's something really ridiculous, such as if your joint income with a person exceeds exceeds $3,600 a fortnight, which, mind you, is the average annual wage for one person, and that's like joint income, your pension is completely lost, um, which can be really, really difficult for people with disability for obviously a number of reasons in that we lose financial independence or what we, or as close as we can get to financial independence because employment is just completely disastrous right now for people with disability. But also it kind of feeds you into this system of, you need to be dependent on your partner. And this can be really dangerous for people with disability, especially with the rates of domestic abuse being so incredibly high for people with disability specifically. And it's just kind of very disheartening and scary to think that the government is kind of creating this system and creating these situations that really put people with disability at physical and financial risk. Yeah, not to mention the fact that, like, Centrelink DSP is like for me $1,002 a fortnight, which is when I Googled it recently, the poverty level, like $500 a week is 
the poverty line and they're expecting people with disability to live on that. Yeah, it's outrageous. And like you were saying, like it's really scary because, I mean, a lot of people use finances and money as a a manipulation tactic, really. Like in a lot of like DV sort of situations, you know that people can't get out of them because financially they need that partner to help them purely survive and in this economy like that is so real yeah and Pip what you've described is actually our relationship with Centrelink the government itself like they're manipulating us through finance they know that we have these barriers that prevent us from getting jobs that like they know the unemployment rate is extremely low and um, unemployment rate is high, sorry. And they it's been like that for, I think, 25 years. If the government really wanted to help people with disability, they'd be mindful of breaking down barriers so that we could get work rather than like, like kind of funneling us into this forced poverty and this dangerous situation, especially around partnership. And I think that a lot of barriers that people with disability face in the workplace is like, um social there's like a financial element in that you know we often earn less people with disability often find ourselves in like the low threshold of household incomes like we're like around like the bottom 20 percent and also like you know in the workplace itself it's like not set up to support people with disability and people are reluctant to employ people with disability because they don't want to change the ways They don't want to, like, move or shift or create systems that can help us. Yeah, it's um, really disheartening. So often when people just say to me, get a job, when you just get a job, we can't just get a job. And Mm. I don't think I've ever met anyone with disability who's on the DSP who wants to be on it Mm. because it's so controlling. It's so controlling and anxiety-inducing. I've spoken to so many people with disability on the DSP and they've all said the same thing that they're anxious and terrified to speak up against it because they're scared that Centrelink will come after them and they're also like anxious about them you know they don't want to be taken to court they don't want to be audited and you know they're all they don't want to be on it but they feel like they're forced to be on it yeah and it's a very real thing like you know when you said I've spoken to so many people about this It is happening. It's a, It's not a small issue. It's a big one. I was, you know, reading an article about it online and it was this couple who, by the way, they changed their names because obviously the, the fear yeah. is real. Um, yeah. <laughs> smart. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, here's my face. Well, Julie and Simon were in this article. Um, They did actually have a photo in there. Um, And, you know, you're talking about like the financial stress of it and, yeah, you know, like the potential risk of harm as well. But to flip the coin as well, there seem to be a lot of people uh, who don't want to take their relationship to the next level, like by moving in together, potentially getting married, And that also, like, bummed me out majorly as well, you know? Like, have you ever been in a relationship, I guess, where you were like, I think I'm ready to, like, move in with this person. Like, I'm really feeling it. But then you're just like, well, financially, that is going to actually screw me. A hundred percent. I think, you know, I've definitely been in love. Currently, very much in love. 
hip. Very much in love. Oh, we'll get to I'll that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much in love and all I want to do is live with them. I want to marry them. Look, I'm not convinced on having babies, but I want lots of dogs with them. And we've just had discussions and we just know that that's never going to happen, that we're just going to have to live in our own houses, never have a family and never have this kind of joint household because we can't afford it. I never thought that like love and marriage would be such a huge financial decision, but here we are. Yeah, isn't that wild? And, you know, as you were saying, it's not just a marriage thing. Like it is moving in together because we actually did a whole podcast on this when it comes to your rights as de facto and what happens when the government is like, bam, you are together in the eyes of the law. Um, And it's pretty hectic. Like we heard some pretty hectic stories about people um, and what you own, I guess, as a joint partnership and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. It gets really, really hairy. Um, And... Yeah, like, you know, you did the video on the marriage, but it's like if you move in together. And also there's a part of, like, the domestic duties together, right? So that's, like, household things. Yeah, so while I was researching for this video, I kind of went down the wormhole and I asked a lot of my friends as well who had gone through this. And there are levels of, of like, boxes that you tick in the form that you declare that you have a partner. Um, And the form is, like, do you live with someone who could be understood to be your partner? Like, could someone misunderstand you to being partners? Now, I don't know about you, Pip, but I have an older brother and often they'll be like, oh, are you a couple? Now, is that going to get me off the DSP? Siblings or dating? (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) I think a lot of people have been mistaken to be couples when they don't mean to be. Um, But then also, like, there's a part that says partnered, has de facto, married, and they're like divorced and all that stuff. So I was like, what's the difference between partnered and de facto? And I think I, again, Centrelink is purposefully confusing. They make it purposefully difficult just to, you know, annoy us and maybe make us stop. Uh, But not, not me, I'm relentless. So I asked around and I researched and apparently like partnered is where you're living together. De facto is two years. So In a non-disabled relationship, a de facto partner is declared after two years of living together. But for people with disability, we have two weeks to declare that we are partnered. That is crazy to me. Yeah. So we live with our partner for two weeks and then suddenly they have, if your joint income exceeds $3,600 a fortnight, you lose all your income and you're reliant on that partner really I would be reliant on my partner if we live together and then we like but there's no law there's no law in place that says that partner has to look after you you know there's no legal obligation they it's not like a de facto relationship where your money is my money my money is your money like it's not that it's far more dangerous than that and then de facto is regular de facto like live together for two years yeah that is so wild to me i'm actually gagged and gooped to hear that maddie you're currently in a relationship right now but you are on the dating apps right i want to go back there back to the trenches what was that like for you I, I did i did some online dating and it was horrendous as you can expect yeah People, okay. people are weird. <laughs> when was the last time that you were on the apps? Oh, 
oh god maybe like four years ago wow a lot has changed since then but like you know what was it like <laughs> for you you know oh my god I want to know once went, I once went on a date with this man and it, granted this was in Campbelltown my hometown love Campbelltown more STIs and tea it's beautiful. It was a very brave thing for me to do to go online dating there. And I went on this date and this guy, as soon as I sat down, just went one arm. Because that's what I have, guys. In case you didn't realise, I'm disabled. I'm missing my left hand and forearm. I should have said that at the beginning. But he was that's just okay. like one arm. I've clocked it. And I was like, okay, like what a weird first thing to say. And then he went, oh, I've seen that kind of stuff before. I was in the military. And I was like, oh, really? And then he pulled out his phone and showed me pictures of him blowing up villages. It was horrific. And I was like, I feel so unsafe. Oh, I feel so unsafe. And then God. I quickly, I quickly, you know, gobbled up as much food as I could, um, had him pay the bill. I feel like I deserved it as compensation for the trauma. Literally. And then I left, but before I left, he looked at me and I said, I think I must have said in my profile that I was like petite, but like it's clear he had only ever read the word petite. He had never said it because he looked at me and he went, you're right. You really are quite petite. I but can't. Like, what a move. You sit down. You clock that someone's disabled. You show them pictures of like you blowing up villages and you with big cannons. Oh. And then you say you're so petite. Oh like, my. There was no second date, Pip. And I really didn't go on that many online dates after that. My God, it I don't was... blame you. Oh, man. Mm. I mean, like you said, charging the bill, of course. I'm saying, you know, send him the invoice for the therapy because that is fucked. <laughs> Oh, man. That's not good. <laughs> People are not well. I mean, like, it's interesting because you said, like, you know, he. I guess he was surprised by it. I was going to ask, you know, maybe is it something that you hide on a profile or do you just come straight out and be like, yeah, this is me? Well, at the time when I was online dating, I wasn't as confident as I am now. And I think also maybe the world was a bit, as you said, a bit different in that, like, disability pride wasn't really a big thing. Like, Olcott wasn't Australian of the Year yet. <laughs> You know, yeah. like there ain't no good looking hunks going around being hot and disabled. So I think it was like a little bit, I was, I'd always tell people, they'd always know I was disabled before I go on a date because I'm not that kind of person. But like at, by the end, I had like one or two pictures. It just so happens that all my best photos are from like the elbow up. I, I don't know why. It's just how it is yeah but I would always include one or two pics yeah just so people knew I can but yeah no get you that. get you get weird messages as well it's like do I want to put pictures on there and like luring the wrong kind of person like the people who really like the stumps you know oh. we're like the freaks who are like send us pics yeah yeah um, yeah I mean I was kind of worried when you were telling the story about the date when he said oh I've seen that before I immediately I went He's talking about porn. Like he's gone straight Probably. there. Yeah, but then he no. went down the military path, which is also surprising. Yeah, which is <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've seen my share of bloody stumps, Madeline. Let's eat dinner. Oh my God. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of that, I mean, like we have done a lot of like episodes at, uh, at the hookup on, you know, dating with disability and, and, you know, a lot of the time people talk about the fetishization. Um, mm. has that happened to you? Look, not enough. I, I reckon, 
I would love some extra cash. If you, you've heard me talk about the DSP, I'm not earning enough money. Like I need more cash, please. Um, so I wouldn't mind selling some stump picks for some money. Um, but no, like yes and no. Yes and no. I've had some people say some weird stuff to me. Um, but I've also, like, people have largely been quite respectful, which I really appreciate, especially online. I get a lot of pity date offers. Like, people come see, because I'm a comedian, people come see my comedy and they think they know me. And then they'll wait for me outside the show or, like, after the show and then, like, assume because I'm disabled that I must be desperate or something. And they'll have their phones out ready being like, we should have dinner. Give us your number. And I was like, no. And they're almost like beggars can't be choosers point of view, which is weird because I'm hot and yeah, <laughs> I don't know why they think that I can't get a date. I know that that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, why, where is this coming from? Like you're gorgeous. Like, no, we don't need the help. I was fishing. Well, you got me. Hook, line, sinker, babe. I was there. <laughs> I came straight in. No, that is actually so frustrating. And I know that like a lot of people um, who are living with disability and like there's so much like, you know, range and diversity of that as well. Everyone's experiences are really different. Um, and mm. for someone like you, I guess, like in a, in a way, like yours is more like public, I guess. Like it's, it's not like yeah. an invisible kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I wonder, like, have you ever had thoughts about like, when is the right time for somebody to like approach you or talk to you about it? I don't know. I I think, I think like all things, it's all about being respectful and kind and having good intentions. Like it's all about the way you approach people. Um, I would say it's never okay just to ask people what happened, but if you approach and you say hello and you just want to talk to someone, um, you absolutely can. Like I don't, I don't know why people are frightened of people with disability and approaching and talk to, talking to us. Like, do they think they're going to be cancelled if they say hey? I think it's like dating. Like I would, I would, yeah, I'd say yeah. it's a lot like dating. You can't just go up to someone and be like, hey, do you want to go out? You've got to go out. You've got to say hello. You've got to go, oh, how are you going? What are you doing here? And see if they're, you know, giving you something back. And then maybe you could ask a little bit. Like, I don't know. That's usually my go-to. But also yeah. 90% of people with disability have invisible disability. So it's like 90%. So it's like I'm a rare 10%er, everyone. Like <laughs> everyone else is invisible and infiltrating your community. So... <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Never know. Yeah, no. Yeah, I think that's like the exact like way to go about it. Like, yeah, I wouldn't come up to somebody straight away and be like, "What's your body count?" Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's fucking personal. (laughs) Like, it's like build some rapport, buy me dinner. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like all medical. People need to remember that a lot of disability is just medical information. If you're asking what happened, if you're asking like why they're disabled, if you're Approach people with respect and you're kind to them um, and you remember that disability is a medical condition as well as we say, like, I subscribe to the social mode of disability and that we are disabled by the society we live in. All these barriers I spoke about before, like financial, social, physical, etc. But primarily, like, we have a medical condition that is private for us. Like, I don't go up to people and ask when their last period was, like, you know, it's rude to ask personal things like that. But if a person you've become friends with 
wants to disclose to you why or how or what kind of disability they have, that's, you know, up to them if they want to share with you. Mm, Absolutely. And, you know, like as well, like keeping in mind about like (laughs) – People being nosy. I'm sh- I'm hoping that this is a small yeah. percentage of people, but like, yeah, you've just got to treat it like so, like so normally. But at the same time, there's like I'm thinking about things like safety as well in terms of like dating, yeah. depending on like what disability that you live with. Like you know, yeah. it can be a, like a really big factor into how you get to know somebody and, and you know where you take that relationship, right? Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna be talking about like safety with disability, like. You know, if we look at the statistics, like nine out of ten women with um, with intellectual disability are sexually assaulted, and so it's like almost guaranteed. And so I'd say something like abuse, abuse with people with disability is very high. So we're always very cautious. We're always very safe. And you know, people don't want to respect you if your date doesn't want to respect you for being safe. Then they're not a good date. Like if you don't feel comfortable texting a friend, calling a friend, asking for like the address of where you're going, all these safety measures, then like probably not a good date. Like everyone should be safe regardless of your ability. Hundred mm, percent, um, Maddie. I want to talk to you about like your stand up because this year has been yeah. unreal for you. Like, not only did you put out an award winning doco, but you've been touring around on the shows. Touring around on the yeah. road, doing shows in um, regional Queensland, um, and I was kind of wondering actually what the difference was like performing there versus places like Melbourne or Sydney, like big, you know, like metropolitan areas. Like, what was oh. that like? Well, for me, growing up in Campbelltown, not that different. I love it, <laughs> and I say that as a compliment. Like, I love a rough, tough crowd. I love a crowd that isn't politically correct because I could just like go out there and be like, "Hey, I'm disabled," and make jokes and maybe make them think a bit more and learn. So, like, what good are these jokes about changing people's perceptions on disability if you're already preaching to the choir? Like, get out there, get in the regional town, share. And I think what I enjoy most about going into regional towns um, is that there are people with disability who rock up and I look out and I see them and we it's just so, so nice um, that, like, we can see representation and, you know, it's just, it's really, really lovely. For instance, I have this show called Are You Pulling My Leg? And the show is, like, all disabled lineup. We're all disabled comedians and we're touring and one of the audience members we met when we were on the road uh, said that she hadn't left her house for the last couple of months because nothing was really accessible for her but she really pulled up the kind of the spoons or the energy to come out and see the show and she was so emotional and she's like I haven't seen anything like this like I haven't seen myself on stage I haven't been able to go and know that my access was being met or know that my community was going to be represented and Mm. it was like really it was really lovely and I think that's why I love touring shows especially something like are you pulling my leg because you know it's not just for non-disabled audience to learn it's about our community coming and knowing that they're valued, that their stories are meaningful and that they can see us share the same experience as them and have a laugh over it. God, yeah, I love to hear that. That's so good. It kind of reminds me of like um, drag queens that go and like uh, perform in regional and rural areas and it's like so good because you're like, 
you're meeting the young queers out there and they feel seen and they feel connected and yeah. it's it's community. So it's so important, hey. It's exactly that, yeah. I want to talk about your doco that won Best Documentary at the Australian yes. Independent Film Festival. It's called Inspire Me. Congrats. Yes. Huge. Thank you. I try to be the most inspiring disabled person ever, which means being a Paralympian. But here's the catch tip. I'm really bad at sport. So Well, you did you say actually at the start. Fail, yeah. Yeah, if you want to watch me fail at sport and have Olympians, I mean Paralympians openly laugh at me. Oh, it's the it's a doco for you. But I also talk to a lot of people about inspiration and how toxic that can be, especially for people with disability. Yeah. So obviously go and watch this doco, but um, Maddie, in like 50 words or less, can you describe just real quickly for anyone listening, what is Inspire Me about? Oh, Inspire Me is about how often people with disability feel like they have to be objects of inspiration or objects of pity. And we can't just be ourselves. So my character version of me, Maddie, goes on this journey to be the most inspirational person ever, a Paralympian. But here's the thing. I'm really bad at sport. So <laughs> where am I going to fall on the on the spectrum of inspiration and pity? You have to watch and find out. You know, like when you were talking about like the sort of inspiration side of things, it is sort of like this role that you're automatically gifted and or cursed uh, if you're somebody yeah. living with a disability and you're so brave. Yeah. You're so brave for doing normal oh, things. so brave and inspirational. Yeah, yeah, which is something that you have faced, I guess, a lot of your life and you've done a lot of stand-up and, you know, like a lot of chat about it. So you have strong feelings on this, yeah? I, I definitely do. So much so I had to make a little documentary about it. Um, yeah, I, I think the only way I can really educate people and teach them not to call me inspiring is by making them laugh and seeing how ridiculous it is. So even after the doco, like people will come up to me afterwards and say how inspiring I am. And I literally have to be like, did you watch the film? Like, please. Point <laughs> right over don't, the you head. Call me, you can call me anything, but never inspiring. I really don't like it. I think if people can be inspired by me, for things that I achieve, but I don't like people being inspired by me for doing nothing. Um, and it's really, it's, it's kind of infantilizing and it's, it's this idea that people's views and um, expectations of people with disability are so low that if they do anything that it's just above and beyond people's ideas you know, of what that can be done. So it's like, oh, you're so inspiring that you can get a job, you know. Um, and so it's like it's not a compliment. What you're saying to me is you have low expectations of me. Yeah. Um, so I think people don't always recognise that. I think that we grew up seeing people with disabilities inspirational and it's so embedded and we have so many unconscious biases and I think you know, I'm never really mad at someone for having those because everyone has them because we live in this world that just churns them out. But I think once we know and once we're aware, I think it's our duty as human beings with a conscience to 
try and not be a dick you know Mm. (laughs) like try not to be like that like once you're aware Mm. that's all I ask you could ask more actually if you wanted um (laughs) but you know thinking about your comedy and the way that you attack this you know I imagine that you're quite Mm. self-deprecating because as you were saying before you get up on stage you're in front of these rural Queenslanders or whoever and you're like hey this is who I am and you know you're roasting yourself which I love (laughs) I mean Having said that, I do like roasting myself, but I'm also a big fan of roasting them. I love roasting people for their really weird behaviour. People act so weird around people with disability, the conversations, the things people have said, Mm. the way people behave. Like I have this thing in my show where I talk about how um, people ask me what happened to me quite a lot. But I think that's rude. So I don't go up to like bald guys and say, what happened to you? And I always pick out a bald guy in the audience and I just rip on him for about five minutes straight, telling (laughs) him how inspirational he is. How is this your wife? Oh, my God. And she married you. (laughs) I couldn't. But like good on her. You know, just shit like that. You know, like things that people have said to me, I say to this poor, poor one bald guy in the audience, um, you know, and I always praise him afterwards and tell him he's a good sport. But, like, yeah. I'm never, like, I, I'm conscious of putting myself down because I think people put us down enough. Mm. You know, I think it's about time we switch it around. Um, yeah. It I'm reminds one, me, yeah. actually, of um, Hannah Gadsby in Nanette a couple of years ago in that yeah. big uh, Netflix special comedy, won awards, very famous. And she said something like, you know, to be self-deprecating, when you're already somebody who lives in the margins is not humility, it's humiliation. And I was kind of wondering if you would like maybe identify with that, you know, because as you said, it's like, oh, why am I punching down all the time? Yeah, I mean, some things are just funny. Some things are just funny. Like my, I, as I mentioned, I'm missing my left hand and forearm and my arm kind of looks a little bit phallic. Like, look at this, Pip, wouldn't you? I mean, I'm looking at it. You're impressed. (laughs) <laughs> my eyes be wondering you're welcome yeah but so like I'll make a joke and be like oh it looks quite phallic but like it does and it's funny but like I'm never like I'm such a silly disabled person like I'm never gonna do that I mostly make fun of other people's reactions because they laugh at that and they're like whoa this situation's so funny and weird oh I do that sometimes I better not do it you know I think it's slowly training people to behave better. Yeah. You're Trojan horse. But not too good. (laughs) No, not too good, guys, because then I won't have any comedy. Like, yeah. still keep a little bit of the silly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I love what you said before as well because I feel like I identify with roasting other people and sometimes people get, like, a bit offended with it. But I'm like, no, that's just my yeah. love language. Like, I, if I'm telling you, like, something, like, that you're shit for some yeah. reason, um, it's probably because I really like you, actually, <laughs> which is well, I'm not, I'm not, not a great mean. habit. <laughs> I kind of like, uh, you know, the, the fellas, the comedy fellas who just get up and, like, roast you, like, what are you drinking? You're a dickhead. Oh, you yeah. know, like, I'm not no, that It's got to be aggressive. clever. It's got to be like, there's got to be an element of funny. Yeah, they're going to have finesse got to have some style to it unless they're bold otherwise all cards yeah. are off the table you're fucked <laughs> yeah they well, should get the dsp uh, get 
a couple of weeks ago an inquiry that was like put up to parliament about um, the NDIS uh, National Disability Insurance Scheme. Um, I don't know if you heard about this, but people were talking about like the inquiry that sexuality and sexual expression are often like really overlooked uh, for people Mm -hmm. who live with a disability. And like you were saying before, people are like infantized um, because... I did because people suck and they just don't really understand, yeah. I guess. Have you heard about yeah. this? Like, yes. Yeah. So I'm a big, I, I believe that, I mean, so if people don't understand the difference between Centrelink and NDIS is NDIS isn't means tested. So if you're a person with disability and you need support, you get support and often it's subsidized, but there are all these problems with it and all these things like in order to get, certain adaptive equipment you have to pay for a you know someone to assess you first and so all your money's going into assessments and not enough money's going into actual products that help us and things like that there's lots of holes in it that need to be helped but um what you're talking about with sexual expression is that often people with disability aren't seen as sexual people we're seen as asexual and if we i think people people forget that okay how do I put this? Everybody wanks. Everybody wanks. Everyone's everyone's getting sex toys. Everyone's getting kinky with it. Some people use sex workers. Some people enjoy different sexual play and maybe don't have a partner that um, feels like they want to do it or maybe they don't have a partner in, in general. So everybody uses sex toys. Everybody well, not everybody, but a lot of people um, employ sex workers. But people forget that dis- people with disability also have sexual desires as well. And if we're considering like the DSP or things like that, we already know people with disability are living in poverty. We also deserve to have sexual expression. So what our community is asking for is that NDIS can help us with our sexual needs. Um, I mean, the government's been fucking us for years, but we just want some pleasure out of it is what we're asking for. Yeah. So um, I think what makes it so obviously off kilter is that NDIS kind of has built itself around us, including ourselves in society. Like that's the aims of it. We have a, We have goals like we want to be included in society. We have a goal like... We want to be able to, you know, maintain our job in the workplace and we maybe get funding for that. Inclusion in society might be support workers taking us shopping. We want to be able to, maybe our goal is we want to be able to um, care for our personal needs. It's all about goals around our mental health, physical safety, our personal health, you know, all these things, but they're excluding sexual health from that. That is what makes it, we're not just like, oh, the government should pay for sex toys. It's like, no, your government's talking about giving us good quality of life and aiding us in living average, average lives. I say with quotations, like good inclusion lives within society. But um, I think it's things like adaptive sex toys that we're asking for, or, you know, um, sex workers that are trained to support different disabilities as well you know depending on which disability you need your partner may not be able to assist you the way you need maybe you need a support work I don't know I don't know how these things work Mm. I don't need 
a sex worker. I don't employ a sex worker, but I completely understand the absolute need for it because it is our human rights to be sexual. Imagine living your whole life not being sexual. I watched this fabulous documentary. I'll send you a link, Pip, um, about this woman in the Netherlands who was in her 50s and she had never touched herself. She had never had sex because her disability, she couldn't physically pleasure herself. And so if we're considering that as an op, you know what I mean? If we're considering that that journey and being like you deserve to have a sex worker. Anyway, the documentary is that she employs a sex worker and it's her exploring her sexuality during this documentary. And it was really interesting and I think that it's human rights. Exactly. So I saw a video actually not too long ago um, of this woman. She had taken her son um, who was living in a wheelchair and, yeah, needed assistance for that and she took him to um, a brothel and they hired a sex worker. He had an amazing time. The mum was in tears afterwards, which is maybe for some people a really jarring um, image to watch, but she was so happy so emotional that her son got to experience something that everyone should be feeling, which is pleasure, yeah. happiness, like just feeling connected to another human being, you know, like yeah. it's, it's so, so important. And yes, definitely please yeah. link me this, um, this doco. I definitely yeah. want to, do you remember the name of it? Fab- um, I can't remember. I will send you a link. I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> you put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, um, a lot of people with disability, we're touched constantly, but in a medical manner. Yes. Like it would just be nice to be, it's nice to be touched in a non-medical world. Yeah, I love that. Well, Maddie, thank you so much for chatting to me on The Hookup. I honestly think I could keep going, but I've kept you We can't. Enough. We've got lives to live. We simply must. Uh, Invite me back one day, though. I love talking about this of stuff. Of course, before. you're always welcome. God, I love Madeline. She is such a gem we had such a fun time just talking all things dating sex and relationships and yeah of course learning a lot about um i guess the way that living with a disability makes you change your relationships it might even make you stop taking something seriously because you don't want to lose that income you don't want to lose your pension um yeah it was just really fascinating to hear from her and was genuinely quite shocking as well. But yeah, I hope you learned something from this chat. Do go check out Madeline um, on Instagram as well as her award-winning doco, Inspire Me. All right, that's it. Catch you next time. Bye.